Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My name is Richard Bliss. Uh, my guest today is Matt Forbeck. Matt is, uh, was my second guest on the show way back on episode two. Matt, thanks for being back on the show. Thanks for having me back, Richard. It's a real pleasure. Well, I think we're at episode 76 now, so it's been a, a fun journey for me. And when we talked last, you were just launching your Kickstarter project. And tell the listeners, most everybody knows, because as you and I were chatting earlier, you're not shy about telling people what you're doing, but uh, just in case somebody's listening who hasn't heard, what is it that you've been doing on Kickstarter? All you people hiding in the dark corners of the internet. Like, <laughs> like, uh, I'm doing this thing. I had this crazy idea last year, and I started out last November, called 12 for 12, in which I propose to write or try to write a dozen novels this year. And they're short novels. They're about 50,000 words each, which is coincidentally the amount of words that you write during National Novel Writing Month in November every year. Um, now, I've had 16 novels published before I started this, so that made that gave me a bit of an advantage, plus the fact that I've been a publisher at a role-playing game company for many years at Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Um, so I knew what I was doing, I knew what I was capable of doing, and I decided that I would launch this on Kickstarter as a series of trilogies, of four different trilogies, that I could fund separately and see how it went. Um, and you know, when I first started, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just talked to a lot of people like yourself and people who had done it before and tried to learn what, I was, what was going on and how I could maximize this best. Um, and the first one did very well. I ended up with about $13,000. And the second one, uh, which is still in the top 10 for uh, fiction funded at the time, uh, the second one ended up a little bit shy of that, but still again in the top 10. And then the third one, uh, which ran back a couple months ago, ended up with eighteen grand, which again was in the top 10 of all time. Um, and now I'm working on number four, which is the Monster Academy trilogy, which is running on Kickstarter right now. So when we say, when you say number one, number two, number three, you're actually talking about not just book number one, you're talking about trilogy number one, trilogy number two, trilogy number three. Correct, yes. I've run uh, three Kickstarters so far that have all been successful to fund the different trilogies. Uh, the first one was based on a, a role-playing game I did back in the 90s called Brave New World, which was a dystopian superhero game. Right. The second one was... Uh, I'm writing right now. It's called Shotguns and Sorcery, and uh, the first book is called Hard Times in Dragon City, and that's a fantasy noir series. The third one is called Dangerous Games, which is actually murder mysteries and thrillers set at Gen Con, which is the largest gaming convention in the world, which I just saw you had a couple That's days. right. We just we hooked up with that. Yep. Exactly. And then uh, the fourth one is called Monster Academy, and it's essentially a reform school for young monsters in a fantasy world in which they, these little monsters have not done anything wrong yet, but every, everybody expects them to screw up and have to be killed at some point. But until that point, they're sent <laughs> to reform school, uh, the, the Royal Academy for Creature Habilitation. And this is a, a young adult series of novels um, that are, again, about 50,000 words, and we're, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's something I've been looking forward to writing for a while. So... Uh... So are you? So as people catch up here, uh, you launched the first one in no, we talked in November, but you launched it for basically to start writing in January, the first trilogy, right? Correct. Yes. And write and the then, first. Uh, every three months or so, I have to launch another one, so you keep on track. Yes. So you've been writing and launching the Kickstarter projects at the same time. Are you on track with uh, you know your twelve for twelve? Are you going to? Uh, you know, maybe to nobody's surprise, I am a little bit behind. Um, <laughs> there's a couple good reasons for that. Uh, one is that Kickstarters take a lot of time and energy, which I hadn't realized right. until I started this. I mean, it, it really does suck up just about every available bit of your brain that you have left over at the end of every day, trying to figure out how you can uh, do it better, right? And how right. you can reach more people and how you can reach, not just to, to, uh, to go out and abuse people, but to say, who are the people who would enjoy reading this and how can I find them and tell them about what I'm doing? 
Um, at, so that takes then, a lot of energy. At the same time, trying to write exactly what yeah, you've, you've promised. Exactly. And then my family had this cold that we ended up going through, some kind of a flu that went through the house that knocked us flat for about five weeks back in the spring, which threw me off. And then I did an even crazier thing is that I had a, 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 a tie-in novel job fall in my lap that I had been setting up for about two years. <laughs> and, I'm like, and, okay, and now I have to write this. <laughs> and that's the, uh, the TV show tie-in, right? Yes, for Leverage, which is a TV show by John Rogers and Chris Downey. It's a fantastic show on TNT on Sunday night, so if you guys get a chance to watch that, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I've known John since before the TV show started, so when I suggested that he should go out and you know, have novels done on the show, and he said, do you know any editors? I'm like, yeah, I can introduce you to lots of people. <laughs> and it took a couple of years for it all to get set up, and suddenly he's like, uh, okay, uh, we want you to write one of the books. I'm like, oh, good, because I just started this crazy project where I'm writing a dozen novels already this year. Uh, let me see if I can wedge that in someplace. So I'm a little bit behind on that. I also am writing the Magic the Gathering comic books for IDW all year round. So that's been taking me you know, about a week out of every month as well. So, uh, so on the Kickstarter side, I think one of the things that you've probably – your Kickstarter fans, they're very um, – forgiving is not the right word, but patient, aren't they? Yeah, they're understanding. I mean, for yeah. one um, – you know, I, I try to be open about what's going on in my life and to communicate with them. I'm not a, a very private person in that way. And so when I say, look, guys, I'm trying to catch up, and this is why I'm a little bit behind, they understand, right? Uh, also, when I say I'm going to have – I start delivering books to them, and I've actually shipped the entire first trilogy to them, and I'm in the process of shipping the fourth book out to people this week. Um, they look and they say, holy God. I mean, he actually managed to go from writing a book in – January to having it shipped out to people. I think the first one started going out in May, right? And a lot of times for a book, it'll take a year or two, even from the point where it's actually finished writing and been sold, for it to come out in a store, right? So for me right. to be able to turn around and say, hey, this is something I just did. I had it edited. I'm, uh, it's been revised, and here's the final finished copy for you. Uh, within six months, people are like, wow, you know, that's pretty damn fast anyway. Um, so, you know, I try to set my expectations for myself and the projects high and let people know that, okay, this is incredibly unreasonable and let's hope we can pull it off. Um, and, you know, again, they've been very understanding. And I still actually have the ambition to finish this thing out by the end of the year. Um, one of the other reasons I've been a little bit behind is because it's summer and my wife is a school social worker, which means she's off for the summer and the kids are all off for the summer. I got five school-age kids at home. And they, uh, they take up some of my time. So I've spent a lot of the summer doing things like revisions and production on the books that I've already done. Because those are the kind of things I could do and be interrupted at. Do you do your own publishing? I do. For these books, I've been self-publishing. For everything else I've done for novels, I've been published by major publishers, right? Right. Like Delray, the- Wizards of the Coast, uh, uh, I, the new books for Penguin that I just did. Angry Robot does a lot of my, my uh, original stuff. So, but these I'm self-publishing because most publishers are not going to be able to swallow twelve novels from me in a year. <laughs> really? It's too much to ask of anybody. Really. It's hard yes. to ask to get a reader sometimes, but especially for a uh, a publisher. And the funny part is, readers blast past me. They read these books in like you know six hours, and I'm like, holy god, I have to keep writing to catch up with you guys. That's right. So tell it's me, have, mind you. so back in November when we talked, and you've already said this. Uh, we really didn't know what this Kickstarter thing was going to be all about. Your first project was, uh, as you said, was very successful. And we can put that down to a bit of novelty on everybody's part. Kickstarter's part, your part, everybody, right? Hey, this is kind of cool. Let's do this. Your second project, uh, what did you learn on that second one? And you said it kind of dipped down a little bit. 
Yeah, it dipped down a little bit. I had a very strange curve. You know, if you if you study Kickstarters, they start really going fast out the gate, and then they level off, and then they spike up again at the end when everybody says, oh, my God, it's going to end, right? Right, right. Um, well, the second one spiked out fast and then was, like, flat as a board forever. Part of that's because I was writing the other novels, and I was busy, and I wasn't pushing it very hard. But at the toward the end of it, I realized that um, I was... The way I set it up is I wanted to do a low goal for the first book, which was like $3,000. And then the other two books in the trilogy were stretch goals, right? And I figured out that people were having issues with the idea that they might buy a trilogy of books and only get one book, right? And I didn't want that to happen to anybody. And I would, I would never have let that happen to them. I would have written the books and gotten them the books they wanted anyway. But I think there was some trepidation on people's parts that, uh, you know, they weren't able to be as confident about their backing at that point. So the for the second trilogy, I ended up uh, like I was going to be five thousand dollars short of my goal for the stretch goals to get all three books done. On the last day, I was like, "Oh my god!" So I lowered the goal down a bit, and uh, we ended up making like seven thousand dollars that last day. It was insane, and part of that's because we got very lucky with uh, exposure that day. I had an article run on Wired's Geek Dad blog, for which I do a little writing occasionally, and. We had uh, uh, Will Wheaton and Neil Gaiman uh, retweeted it for me, right? And and got their people looking at it, which, you know, they're not saying, buy this, please, or whatever. It's uh, it's like, hey, this looks kind of cool. Sure, sure. When Will Wheaton tweets to two million followers, right, a, cu- exactly. a couple of them might back you. A couple of them. <laughs> it only has to be a tiny percentage to really work out. It and does. Will's a great guy I've known for many years. And, you know, it's, it's not like... Um, Will's one of these guys that he doesn't like to just push things for everybody all the time. If he sees somebody who's a friend who needs some help and he likes what you're doing, yep. then he's often happy to help out, which is appropriate. That's the way it should be, right? Right. Um, and the same with uh, Neil. I have never met Neil, um, but I've been a fan of his for many years. And uh, a guy named Brian White, who uh, runs the, uh, who's been on a number of Kickstarters himself for his magazine, uh, which is, I'm blanking on the name right now, but if you look at Talk Wordy is his uh, Twitter handle. Okay. Um, uh, but Brian suggested I make this reach out to Neil, and I did, and I just figured it would go nowhere. But then a buddy of mine, John Kowalik, is good friends with Neil, and John's the creator of Dork Tower and uh, does illustrates all the Munchkin games and everything right, else. Right. And he private messaged or direct messaged Neil and said, "Hey, maybe could you please help Matt out?" Uh, and he had to explain to Neil that I was. Uh, I hadn't reached my stretch goal because I mean, it looked like I was being successful at that point, right? Right. Because I doubled what I wanted for my my lower goal, but hadn't reached the stretch goal yet. And uh, John accidentally left, left the D off one of the direct messages, which is the only way I found out about it because he's a very humble and sweet guy. I wouldn't have told me for anything. Um, and you know, just lucky set of circumstances that, that managed to make that happen. Now for the third set, the neat thing that I did is I changed it. I said, okay, look, I realize some of you guys are being. Uh, have some confidence issues because I'm saying I need to do these as stretch goals. Tell you what, we're just going to do all all three books for ten grand is the minimum amount I want, and we'll see if we can go higher than that, right? And uh, we broke our goal about midway through the drive, which was better than we'd done with any of the other drives. And the last day we had another good spike at the end, so we ended up with uh, another eight. We ended up with eighteen grand, which is five thousand dollars better than I'd done it with the other projects. So, introspective here, you second project you asked for a small amount. And hey, we'll we'll stretch as we go along. The, the third time you ask for your biggest amount, and yet it it blows past that. Is there? What do you think's going on there? You're asking for more money, and when you ask for more money, you get even more money beyond that. 
Right. I think there's two things there. One is that the uh, uh, it was able to give people confidence that was if they funded this, if it got funded, they would get all the books because nobody right. really wants to get the first book in a trilogy and then get screwed out of the rest of them, right? Right. Uh, say, geez, how does it end? How does it end for the rest of their lives? Uh, we get enough of that with some of the big authors who take forever to write stuff, right? Well, you don't you don't want to engage with that if you don't have to, especially with somebody you don't maybe know all that well and you've not read the first book. So this gave them the confidence to say, okay, I want to put up the big pledges early on because I know I'm going to get the whole trilogy, which is awesome. The other thing that I did for that series was that um, I, I have basically two fan bases because I spent a lot of my life as a game designer um, doing role-playing games, board games, collectible games, and all that kind of stuff, tabletop stuff. And also as a novelist, is my other fan base, right? So the Dangerous Games series is uh, novels written about Gen Con, the big game convention. That kind of crossed both my fan bases really hard, which I thought was fantastic. And that worked. It did work. And, you know, you wonder how you want to re replicate that. And, of course, I didn't try. <laughs> For the fourth one, I didn't try at all. It's like, how do I replicate that? And I'm like, ah, you know, I get this other idea I'm going to do anyway because it just speaks to me more strongly. And it'll be different. I don't think you want to sell people the same thing every time. You want to sell them. I don't want to sell them the same thing every time. I want to sell them myself as a writer as opposed to uh, this is a neat idea and every idea I have is going to be like this in the future. So right. as, we, as we look at your uh, fourth project, 4.0 is what you call it here, 12 for 12, 4.0, Mas Monster Academy, you're, yes. sit you're sitting at 64% with 19 yep. days to go. How does this comparing to the other uh, projects that you ran? Where were you, you know, at? Compared it against the, the third one yet, but it compares very well against the second, the second one and the first one, right? Um, I should sit down and actually do the analysis there, but the... Uh, it does pretty well. The I think at about this point is where I broke through, maybe a, a week into it after this, because this is a little bit longer than the last one, because I wanted to cross over with both Gen Con and Worldcon that I'm going to this weekend, the World Science Fiction Convention in Chicago. And I had a, an event on a, on, a, uh, on September 8th that I couldn't get out of, and I didn't want to run a, a Kickstarter the last weekend of which I wouldn't be around for. So I moved it off to September 15th for the final day, or 16th I think it is, for the final day to make sure that I was home and I was able to give it all of my attention, right? So it ran a little bit longer. Uh, at about this point in uh, the third one, Steve Jackson, who had just run that incredible Ogre campaign, right. uh, pimped it for me in one of his updates. He says, hey, this is a really cool thing. Maybe you should check this out. And it ended up just bumping up like $2,000 that day, right? Uh, and that cracked my goal for me there. I'm not depending on anybody doing that at any point, but it was a nice thing for Steve to do for me. Um, and this time, I think we're, we're moving on pretty much the same curve as we did on the third one, which is kind of neat that it, uh, you know, usually you have this long, flat bit in the middle. With the third one, it never got flat, really. It just kind of went, 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 went at a steady pace. It tends to trail off a little bit and flatten over the weekends. But during the week, it tends to just climb up slowly but steadily, right? And as long as I, if, if I can crack the ten grand before the last week and uh, then see the spike at the end, I think we're going to have a great time with this one. And this will be your last one. Are you ever going to do something like this again? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to scare people and say, okay, every every three months I'm going to do one of these, right? Uh, for one thing, I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I finish this this twelve for twelve thing first before I start off another set. Uh, and actually, I'm, I have other novels I'm talking about different publishers with that I'm going to probably be writing in between, um, and other projects I'm going to be working on. But I think that this is a great model for writers that have a small and growing fan base like I do. Um, you know, I'm not a bestseller. Uh, I'm not Neil Gaiman, for instance. Uh, but I have a strong and loyal, dedicated fan base that have been following me over the years. And these are the kinds of people you can reach out to and say, do you think this is cool? And Kickstarter is the perfect way to do that. 
And if they think it's cool, then you go, and it's fantastic fun. What's your estimate on how many people have, uh, how many backers are you getting on each project? And are they the, all the same backers? I mean, so we're you talked about, about the, go ahead. We get about 350, 400 on each project, and they're not all the same backers. I mean, we do definitely have a core that's probably about 250 of them, right? Um, but a lot of times it's different backers. Like, you know, each one of the trilogies has been different. It's not quite the same thing. Right. So we get a little bit of different on the fringes, or we get some of my fans will say, well, I really like this, but I don't like that, or I spent all my money on the last one. I have to wait till the sure. next one comes up. And, you know, I totally understand that. I have, I have sometimes backers who will, uh, I'll notice that they cancel a pledge, for instance, and I'll usually contact them and say, is there anything going on? Did I screw something up here for you? And they usually say, no, you know, I lost my job or I'm just running shy on money or whatever. And I will often just comp them the ebooks, right? I, yeah. I, I'm, I haven't made that public before now, but because you know, uh, I'm not asking people to come up and tell me they lost their jobs. But, uh, but you know, if they're somebody who has shown a lot of interest and been uh, faithful with me in the past, and I know them, I have no problem with saying, look, here's some books for you to enjoy. And when you have money and when you're able to support me later on, I appreciate that whenever you can. But you shouldn't go broke, and you shouldn't feel guilty, especially not being able to support me when you have to worry about things like housing and food. Sure. So as we wrap up, what advice do you have then for because we because there are I have covered some novelists, some successful ones, uh, not successful ones on the show. What advice do you have? Somebody's looking at what you've done, and they're like, "Hey, what do I have to do to do what what Matt did?" What's your advice? I think the most. Uh, important thing I did is have a fan base to start with and that, that's not something you can generate from scratch right um, because and, and Kickstarter's not going to do that for you are they no Kickstarter won't do that for you I mean now that they've done this in the first time I did this the first couple ones I did they didn't have their social networking aspect they have nowadays where you could follow people on fa- on uh, on Kickstarter and you could see when they when somebody launches a project or if somebody backs a project, right? And that's a new thing they've done, which allows people to discover Kickstarter a little bit better. But Kickstarter is not going to push your project for you. You have to go out there and do that. Even if you get on the front page of Kickstarter, which my last three did, every one of them, right, were staff picks, that's not that big a help. I mean, if I looked at my my numbers, uh, the number of people I got from that were fairly tiny compared to everything else, right? So you really need to go out there and do your own networking, your own pushing, and, and, you know, try not to be obnoxious about it, but you need to not be shy as well and say, look, guys, this is what I'm doing. I could use your help. I mean, I don't have the hugest fan base in the world. I only have about 3,000 Twitter followers, right, something like that. Um, but I have friends who have lots of bigger fan bases. Yeah. So if I could say, John Rogers, can you help tweet me on this, or, or Will Wheaton, or, you know, if I get lucky and one of my friends says, hey, Neil, can you give him a hand there when he needs one? That's great. So you ask people to tell their friends and see if they can push people for you. Try to be honest. Try to be fun. Try to give people good reasons to to back you. And you know, just put your heart into it. And, and be enthusiastic about it. And have fun with it. It's, if people think you're having fun and see that you're having fun, that's contagious, I think, at a certain level. And then people get excited about backing you. You never want to come across as like, please, 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 because it just looks pathetic. And it, it's... People want to back something out of pity. You want them to back something out of excitement. Yeah, your passion coming across. Exactly. Well, Matt, thank you very much for taking a few minutes out of a very busy schedule. None of the kids uh, were in the background and interrupted, yeah. so, so you must have uh, got them outside or, or doing something. No, they're actually in the house. I think I trained them well this year. <laughs> Not a single interruption. That's pretty darn amazing. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today. It's always good to talk to you, Richard. Thanks again. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. Our guest has been Matt Forbeck, author of 
lots and lots of stuff, too much to cover, but in this case, we've been talking about his 12 for 12, 12 novels, 12 months, all on Kickstarter, and we're, and we're wrapping up his third, excuse me, his fourth project, Monster Academy, the, the fourth trilogy. And uh, we hopefully you've heard something that has been inspiring and that you'll find interesting that we can go and look for your project on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Take care.